very thankful that the reason we feel him today, the reason he's in this place, I've said this many times before, is not because this is a building that we call a church. We have a sign out front that says church. That's not the reason. Because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. And the reason you sense him and feel him in this house today is because you brought him with you. And that neighbor sitting next to you on your row today, they brought him with them today. And when we gather together corporately, Paul said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. This is a beautiful thing. This is an awesome thing. This is a powerful thing. When we come together collectively in one heart and one mind to worship the Lord today. Aren't you thankful for his presence that's in this room today? Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you for just waking up and coming here today. I'm just glad to see all of you. God bless you for being here in this house. Let me just tell you, the year was 2002. 2002. Can't remember what time of the year it was, but uh, I was a single guy at the time. And uh, my very, very close best friend in all the world, Robbie Spradling and I, uh, embarked on an adventure together, just the two of us, in his, I think it was like a Mitsubishi car and uh, from Dallas, and we were heading to Missouri for a, for a youth event, a youth gathering, where we were at that time putting together annual youth camps, a couple of them a year, and, uh, and so we were going to participate in one in Missouri. So we headed off out of Dallas. I guess that was I-35 heading up to Oklahoma. We got somewhere just over the Oklahoma line, and we realized that we might be lost. We might be going the wrong way. Neither of us had really traveled that particular route before. And so uh, we did what back then you would do, and we pulled off on the high, off the highway, got off on an exit, went over the overpass, and pulled off on the shoulder. And we pulled out the old Rand McNally. Any of y'all remember those? If you're under 18, you probably don't even know what that is. But but uh, but this was before smartphones and GPSs and all this kind of stuff. Some you might have had a GPS, but at that time it was the ty- kind externally that you put in your car, and it cost about three thousand dollars, and then another about fifty dollars a month to monitor it. So we all still relied on the the Rand McNally Atlas, and you pull that thing out. And for those of you that don't know about this, it's, it'd be state by state, and you would have to kind of connect the dots, so to speak. So you'd find Texas and then see, then pull out Oklahoma and try to see where the highways connect and somehow get you where you needed to go. So I pulled out the Atlas. It's early in the morning, and the east sun is coming up. We finally get our plan, and we know what we're doing. Robbie's driving. I'm, in the, I'm the navigator in the passenger seat. And... Uh, And so we realized that we have to make a U-turn from where we were. We had to recalculate. We had to recalculate. We didn't have some beautiful voice speaking to us and say, make a U-turn at the nearest. No, we didn't have that. We had to, we had to recalculate on our own. So as Robbie turned to, to make the U-turn to get back on the road, going back the other direction, that, that, that east sun just hit him just right that kind of blinded him a little bit and we didn't see Bubba in his dually pickup truck barreling over that overpass and bam, Bubba knocked us back over onto the shoulder. A little bit of damage to, to Robbie's car, but we sat here and we watched this scene unfold from the front seat of that car where Bubba began to roll end over end in front of us and landed over in the ditch to the right on the side. And we're sitting here thinking, oh dear Lord, we're in God knows where Oklahoma 
we just ran Bubba off the road. And about that time, that door, passenger door pops open on the top of that truck. This guy jumps out on top of the truck. He's got nothing but a pair of overalls on with no shirt underneath and one boot on. And he comes barreling toward the car. And we're thinking, oh, dear God, we're fixing to die at the hands of Bubba. And the first thing he says when he gets to the car is, is, man, that was fun. If I'm lying, I'm dying. This actually happened. Real story. My witness is in the sound booth. It wasn't too long before Bubba's daddy and brother showed up. First thing brother said when he got out of the car was, was that fun? Man, they got strange things to entertain themselves in southern Oklahoma, I'm going to tell you. Well, the car was totaled to the point that we had to wait for a wrecker to come and pick us up. Robbie and I are in the cab of a wrecker with a wrecker driver, and uh, and the car is on the back, and he's taking us to we don't know where. We have gone out into some cow pasture in the middle of Oklahoma, southern Oklahoma, and I don't, we don't know where we are. There is nothing to be seen but this one little garage in the middle, literally in the middle of a cow pasture. There, you, we went down miles and miles and miles of like just this no end seemed like road that with nothing, no houses, no businesses, nothing. And then he drops us off with the car. An enterprise who will pick you up, but it may take a while to get there from Oklahoma City. So we're stranded, we are stranded in the middle of God knows where in Oklahoma, all because we had to recalculate. Eventually the Enterprise guy showed up about three hours later with some 30 year old Toyota Corolla with like 350,000 miles on it. And we made our way on to Missouri and got, got our deal done, but we had to recalculate. How many of you know that life is filled with recalculations? Life is filled with them. We can have our life clearly mapped out and we can know exactly what we want and where we want to go and we can follow the plans that we've created. But when we hit that unexpected detour, all of a sudden then our little neat and organized life will just begin to go up in flames. So what do you do when you have to recalculate, do to some of life's unexpected detours. What do you do with that? How do you handle it? There's a story in the book of Exodus. There's these two Hebrew slaves. It's a husband and a wife. They are, they are set apart. These two people are very special people. They have a special calling on their life. And they're set apart from the millions of other slaves who are now in Egypt because they had this unique ability. The reason they were set apart because God had put this thing inside of them, this ability to be able to recalculate and to be able to adjust to the changing situations in their world. And because they recalculated properly, they raised up arguably the greatest Hebrew leader of all time. They didn't even, they didn't even have the chance. They weren't even able to name him. He was later named Moses. But even before Moses was born, the circumstances of life were already beginning to conspire against him. Even as he drew his very first breath as a newborn, his life was already in this uh, recalculation mode. He was already recalculating. He was not born into a time of freedom. Uh, the, the, the evil Pharaoh, this this homicidal maniac that was over, that was leading Egypt at the time, he imposed genocide on all of the Hebrew baby boys. And he had his soldiers going through the land and with 
And with every expecting mother that was a Hebrew mother, they waited until the child was born. And if it was a male, then he died. Moses was born in that time. So Moses was born recalculating. His life was having to be recalculated even before he was born. And he never stopped dealing with unexpected detours throughout the entire span of his life. His mother was not able to hold him proudly and show her, show him off to all of her, all of her friends. There weren't, there wasn't this big long line of folks in the, in the hospital, in the hospital hallway at the nursery window waiting to see the new, the new baby boy and the proud mom and dad. That wasn't happening. She didn't get to hear the goo-goos and the gagas from everybody talking about how much he looks like his daddy. No, no, his cries had to be muffled. No one could know. And for three months, He had to be hidden from the soldiers who sought to kill him. The very first breath, the very first breath that Moses drew was in a place called unfair. Life was unfair. But can I just go ahead and remind all of us in this room today that life rarely is fair. It's a reality. Life's not fair. You've heard it. It's true. But a question that we all need to contemplate today is, what am I going to do when the circumstances of life cause me to have to recalculate? What am I going to do? That's the question that I believe every one of us have to answer. And this is one question we've got to answer properly. What am I going to do when life causes me to have to recalculate? Some good advice for all of us would be, To simply not spend a whole lot of time questioning all of the unpleasant stages that we have to go through through this recalculation process. We'll get run over on the on the freeway of life if we spend too much time sitting around making statements like, I don't know why this had to happen to me. I I don't know why I'm having to go through this at this place, in this stage in my life. This is not fair? Why am I having to deal with this? Why does no one else have to face this? I agree that sometimes life just is not fair, but I've got to remind us all today that we've got to keep moving. We cannot, we cannot stop in that place and just live in that place of analyzing and questioning and, 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 and fretting over why we are where we are. We've got to keep moving because if we stop in that place, we are sure to definitely get squashed on that freeway of life. You'll end up like me and Robbie and you'll get hit. Because you spent too much time evaluating where you were instead of moving on. Yes, we were lost, but we've recalculated. Now let's move on. We just have to move forward in whatever measure of faith we may have at that moment. None of us know everything, how everything is going to turn out. None of us know about the future. There is nothing certain in the future. Nobody has this idealistic world that they've created in their mind that's not going to somehow be changed on them or, or be shifted in some way in their life. We just have to know that we're going to, we're going to do what, we're going to do what we have to do when it happens. We're just going to pick ourselves up and move forward. We have to put our faith in God as we go through some of these unexpected detours of life. Is it okay that we just talk about some real life stuff today? Is it alright if we just kind of talk about how the rubber meets the road sometimes in our lives? One writer said it this way, he said, don't rejoice against me enemy when you see me fall because when I fall, I shall arise. 
He said, when I fall. Not if I fall. He said, when I fall. In other words, it's certain. I'm going to fall. But when I fall, be sure of this, enemy. I'm getting back up again. I'm not going to stay in that place. I'm not going to lay there and wallow in my self-pity. I'm not going to sit there and and play the victim. I'm not going to lay there and, and let life just run over me. I'm getting back up again. The two positions for all believers... The two positions we should find ourselves in, never any other, is this. Either I'm standing up or I am getting back up. That's the only two options I have. I'm either standing up or I'm in the process of getting back up again. Laying down and quitting is not an option. That's the two positions we take in life. I'm either standing up or I'm getting back up. This is exactly what Moses' mother did. For three months, she successfully hid him from the Egyptians. Time ran out, and the risky circumstances that was threatening death to her child mandated her now to do something. She had to do something. She immediately had to begin to recalculate everything. And and life and the circumstances of life demanded that she's got to move. She's got to do something. She had to recalculate her own life's journey so that she could save Her son's life's journey. This, this is how it unfolds in Exodus 2. Verse 3, it says, But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, dabbed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. I, I I just can't even imagine this kind of moment. For every mother that's in this room, I wish we could all just stop and imagine what it must have felt like in this moment when she literally had to lay her child, her son, her three-month-old baby inside this basket and watch him drift off into the river. Verse 4 says, And his sister stood afar off to know what would would be done to him. There's simply three little thoughts that I want to leave with us today about this whole idea of recalculation. Number one is this. Recalculation does not mean failure. Keisha, I'm going to say it one more time. Recalculation does not mean failure. If Paul was here today, she'd be nudging and saying, he's going to say that again. Everyone must recalculate at some point in our lives. If you've lived life very long, you already know this. You've already experienced this. Everybody has to make that decision at some point. At some point, every one of us have got to say, I've got to think this thing through again. I've got to reevaluate this thing again. I've got to process all this all over again and recalculate because imperfect humanity living in an imperfect world necessitates recalculation. It's a, it's, it's gonna happen. And the more we fight against it, the harder it's going to be. The sooner we can just accept and adopt the fact that, you know what, I'm going to have to recalculate sometimes. We must recalculate. These recalculations of life are usually driven by four events. Event number one that will cause recalculation is this, the circumstances of life. The circumstances of life will cause recalculation in our lives. That just means 
that an exit that you expected to take, you got there and all of a sudden it was closed for repair. Have you ever been there before? You ever been there where you knew, I'm getting off on that Rabel exit. They had that, they had that, um, that construction going on for a while in the, in the middle of the night. It happened to be one of those nights when I was one or two o'clock in the morning leaving St. Francis and I'm heading home only to get almost to Rabel and see the barrels up. And you know, everything just goes crazy in that moment because you didn't realize it. So now all of a sudden, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Is there a Holly Ridge? Got to have to go all the way to Delhi. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? You immediately turn the radio down because you can't think with the radio up. And I mean, you're just, you, you, you don't know what to do. Circumstances of life. Stuff happens. Somebody ought to make a bumper sticker. It just says, stuff happens. It's not really anyone's fault. It just happens. It's out of your control. It's out of my control. Sometimes life just happens. I'm a control guy. You know me. If you know me very long at all, you know I'm the guy that's got to be in control. I've got to have my hands on everything. If it's if it's a part of my life, if it's got anything to do with my, I've got to be controlling it. So to all of us control people in the room, how many are you? How many are you going to confess with me today? I'm a thank you very much. Confession is good for the soul, folks. I'm going to tell you, we are control people, but there's some things in life that we cannot control. There's some things in life that's just gonna happen. There's a new phrase that I'd like to adopt these days, and it's simply this. It is what it is. There's some things, there's some things in life where you just gotta look at it and say, you know what? I didn't do anything to cause this. Nobody really did. It's nobody's really anybody's fault. It just is what it is. It's just the unexpected circumstances of life. The unexpected circumstances of life will cause us to have to recalculate when things happen. We always want it to be somebody's fault, don't we? We always want to blame somebody. We feel like it ought to be somebody's fault. And we can't find a person to blame. We'll blame God. I mean, that's always our last resort. We can always blame the one who's in control of everything. But sometimes it's not anybody's fault. It's just the circumstances of life. We know where we're going. We even have a really good plan on how to get there. We've prepared ourselves to get there. We've even graduated from the Rand McNally Atlas, and now we got the GPS, and Siri is talking to us. And te- We've done all of that, but something happens. Circumstances of life just happen. Can I tell you that sometimes Siri don't even know where you are? You ever been driving and listening to Siri, and all of a sudden she's sending you down a road that don't exist? Or you're on a road, a major new highway, that she hasn't been informed that there's a new major highway there. And she's got you off in a river somewhere, and you're on a highway going 90 miles an hour. Can I just say that sometimes we're taking advice from someone who knows a lot less than we do? Should I just camp out there for a minute? Roll my sleeves up and start preaching. Can I tell you, if you're going through a divorce... The person you should be talking to is not the person who's been married five times. I'm not judging the person who's been married five times. I love them, and I know God can restore. But that's not the person I'm going to be talking to when I'm struggling in my marriage. Sometimes people know less than we know. That's not the voice we should be listening to. I see, I didn't quit preaching and gone to meddling. I started rolling my sleeves up and started meddling. But recalculation does not mean failure. The second event in our life that will cause recalculation is this. Other people's choices. Other people will make choices 
that will cause us to have to recalculate. Sometimes someone else made a choice and it impacted your life. They didn't have, they didn't have their brake lights on. They, they gave you no warning and all of a sudden you're the one who's having to stomp on your brakes and you're the one who's having to run into the guardrail on the side and they just drive away. Sometimes it's other people's choices. Sometimes it's somebody else that moved away. Sometimes it was somebody else who quit or gave up. Some people may have impacted our lives and and they're not even aware of what they did or how they did it. The third event that will cause recalculation is this. God's direction. God's direction in our lives will cause recalculation. Sometimes there's nothing wrong. Sometimes you're doing everything exactly right. And God speaks to us and he says, I want you to go here. And then we begin that journey and we're following God's direction. And then along the way, he says, wait a minute, now I want you to go here. And what we want to do so many times when God begins to do some of this recalculating in our lives, God's not really recalculating because he already knows how it's all going to play out. But He, to us, in our finite minds, we see it as recalculation. And we start questioning everything. And we're wondering, oh, I thought I was supposed to go here, but now I'm going here. What we're doing in those moments is, is we want to try to put God in our human boxes. And we want to try to limit him to our finite thoughts and ideas and plans and imaginations. But with God, here can always move. With God, who's not bound by time and space, his here may be here today, and it may be here tomorrow. I've just got to follow the process. I've just got to follow him. I've got to be willing to recalculate. So God's plan to us, to us, to us, can many times feel like recalculation. And we have to be, in those moments, just be pliable. We have to be flexible. We have to be willing to recalculate when he gives his direction. We can be perfectly in the will of God. And God can change our plan for his plan. And God help us and allow us and make us pliable people who are willing to follow that plan. The fourth event that will cause recalculation is personal choice personal choice. I believe we serve a sovereign God. I believe we serve an all-powerful God, an all-knowing God who knows it all, the end from the beginning. I believe that, but I also know that he has gifted every one of us. Sometimes it's a gift, sometimes it feels like a curse, but he has gifted every one of us with a personal choice. And I'm living today, I'm living today with with the repercussions The consequences are the rewards of all of the personal choices that I've made. And can I just confess to this church today that sometimes those choices have been mistakes. I don't want to pawn everything off on God. I don't want to blame him for every stupid thing I did in my life. Sometimes it was just mistakes. We all have done it. We've all made Mistakes. We've all made poor choices. We've all done dumb stuff. Some of us are still doing it. I'm still doing it. Sometimes we just get it wrong. But can I just tell you that when we get it wrong, all that is is an opportunity to recalculate. 
That's what it is. It's not there. We're not, we're not supposed to heap condemnation or guilt or shame on someone because they made a mistake. That's just the time that we encourage and say, this is the time. Shake the dust off. Get back up again. Let's recalculate. Let's get a plan. Let's move forward. Guess what? You're going to fall again. But say to your enemy, when I fall, I shall arise. Sometimes we get it right. Sometimes we get it wrong. Can I just tell you that even sometimes when we get it right, we still have to recalculate. From the moment Moses got here, he was continually recalculating. I, I, I wish that maybe all of us today, we could just, we could just kind of come into an agreement on one thing today. Can we just all agree on one thing and one idea today, and that's this, that we are going to just completely put on the shelf and retire this whole idea that somehow life can be lived on cruise control and autopilot. It seems like we're always striving. We're, everybody's looking for retirement. Everybody's looking for that place where we can just sit on the rocking, sit on the rocking chairs on the front porch with our sweet tea and just watch the, the, the sunset years of our, of our lives go by. And we're always striving for this, this place, this, this non, really truly non-existent place where we're just going to coast right on out of here. I want to tell you something. I want to be moving. I want to be shaking. I want to be doing. I want to be preaching. I want to be changing lives. I want to be doing everything that God's called me to do until the day I breathe my last breath. We got to get rid of this idea that somehow there's this place we can get to where we just cruise. God help us. God help us that we never get to that place of complacency. No one ever just drifted to the top of a mountain. We'll only get to the high mountains and see those lofty peaks when we do it on purpose and with clear direction. We're not just going to kind of drift to get there. It doesn't happen that way. Life is not lived on, on cruise control. Life's not lived on autopilot. Bottom line is there will be many times throughout our lives where we're going to have to recalculate. And then guess what we're going to have to do after that? We're going to have to recalculate again. And then you know what we're going to have to do after that? We're going to have to recalculate again. Can you just imagine the fear that Miriam, this is Moses' older sister, can you imagine the fear that she felt as she watched this group of Egyptian women now making their way to the river that day, coming down to the Nile? And there's this, there's the little basket that's holding her little brother and it's hidden in the, in, in the reed there. And, and, and she realizes all of a sudden that one of these ladies coming down, she is the princess of Egypt. She's Pharaoh's daughter. Can you just imagine the anxiety that she was feeling at this moment? She's now being faced with a scenario that she was not prepared for. No one had given her a tutorial on this. No one, no one prepped her for this moment. All of us, can you just imagine, Mom, what do I do? I don't know. I'm all alone now, and, and, and now I'm faced with this circumstance. And she had to begin to just kind of figure it all out. No one told her what to do. And the princess, she sees this basket, and she sends someone out to get it. And this is what happens next in verse 6. It says, and when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. And she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Listen to what Miriam does. Though. Listen, listen to the way she just, she just rises up to the occasion with no preparation, with no education, with no plan in place. She just rises to the moment. She says, I'm not just going to sit on cruise control and watch this thing play out. I'm going to rise up to the moment. And she says, she recalculates at that moment. She decides, I've got to do something. And the sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Miriam said to her, she said, shall I go 
and caught, listen to the wisdom of this little girl, all of a sudden just caught off guard in this moment. She's already thinking God has already put something inside of her, and now she's recalculating. Listen to what she approaches Pharaoh's daughter, the princess, and she says, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for you? Miriam knew exactly what she was doing. The princess was oblivious to it. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, yes, you go. You do just that. So the maiden, speaking of Miriam, she went and she called the child's mother. Can I just remind every one of us in this room today that we still serve a God who is in control. And can I just remind us today that that same God who is still in control is still working on your behalf. I don't care how bleak it is. I don't care if you feel like you just lost your only child. I don't care if you feel like that you just had to separate yourself from everything that's good and great and and virtuous in your life. God is still working and moving on your behalf. And so Moses' mother gets there princess turns to her and she says this in verse 9. Take this child away. Hear, hear this verse. Take this child away and nurse him for me. And I, listen to this, and I will give you your wages. This, think about the recalculations in this one day for Jochebed, who is Moses' mother, In the morning hours, she is releasing her three-month-old baby into God knows where. Trusting God, believing that God somehow has a purpose, but being completely out of control. And before the day is out, her baby is back in her arms and she's being paid to have her baby back in her arms. That's something that only our God can do. If we'll just be willing to recalculate, God will turn it around in such a way for us that we'll end up getting paid. He'll make it bigger and better than we ever imagined. And we'll get to do what we never thought we'd be able to do and even get paid for it to boot. You thought you lost it. You thought it was over. You thought it was done. But God. I wish, we've had a lot of talk lately about testimony service in church. I think one of these days we're going to do it. Not today, so don't get, don't get off, don't, don't, don't get all upset with me today. But, but I, I believe that if we could go start over here in this corner with Judy, go all the way around over here to Tanya, and I believe that every one of us in this room could stand and we could begin what we're going to say as a testimony today. We could begin with that, those two words. But God, I was in this situation, but God, everything was falling apart, but God, my life was hopeless and depression had taken over and I saw no light at the end of the tunnel, but God met me in that place and he turned it all around and he made it better than it was before, but God, God is still working on our behalf. His arm is not short and his promises never fail. So number one, reconciliation does not mean failure. And number two, did I say reconciliation? That's good too. But how about recalculation since that's what we're talking about today? Recalculation does not mean failure. And number two, recalculation begins a new season in our lives. 
Recalculation will begin a new season in our lives. Recalculation is not the end of our life. It's the beginning of a new season. Moses' life, it should have ended at birth. It was supposed to end at birth. Because that's what was happening to the lives of all the other Hebrew baby boys at that time. His life certainly should have ended in the Nile River with all of the dangers and the risks involved with that. His mother had no idea how this was going to turn out. But when she recalculated and put Moses in the water, when God is part of the recalculation, Moses ended up coming back home with his sister. That's how it works when we let God and we invite him into the process and into our recalculation. Pharaoh would have killed Moses if he would have stayed at Jochebed's house. So Jochebed recalculated. And here's how it turned out. See, the fact is, is that Pharaoh could not, he couldn't kill Moses when Moses lived in Pharaoh's house. So the very thing that we're fighting against may be what God is actually moving us to. It all looks wrong, but by recalculating, all of a sudden, what feels wrong and seems wrong is all of a sudden the right thing. Moses was raised in Pharaoh's house. He learned leadership that would lead him and, 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 and allow him to give him the knowledge and the wisdom to lead two million people to freedom. And his mama could have never taught him that in her house. So we have to know that recalculation didn't kill Moses, it saved Moses and ultimately saved the people from slavery. So quit hating on your recalculation. Don't curse your crisis. Quit hating on those moments. Quit cursing those moments that God used to recalculate our lives and move us in the direction that he had for us and the ultimate plan that he had for us. I'm not saying that recalculation is not hard. It is. It's tough. Nobody wants to go through that. I didn't say that it wouldn't surround us with tons of questions at times, with very few and sometimes no answers. I didn't say that recalculation won't make you cry sometimes, and I mean ugly cry like a baby. I didn't tell you that re recalculation wouldn't hurt. But what I am saying is that God is still on the throne. His arm is still never too short and his promises still never fail. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Recalculation is not going to kill us. We are tougher than we think we are. Can I just tell you, you're tougher than you think you are. You've been through some stuff before. And guess what? You're tougher because you've been through that stuff. We were built to handle. God made us to handle recal recalculation. It's built in us. We can do it. We can do more than we think we can. In your life, there's going to be a new beginning waiting for you. But that means there's also going to be an ending waiting for you. And before we have a new beginning, we have to have an even closer ending in our lives. That means that we've got to end before we begin. We've got to have an ending before we have a beginning. That's the only way we move from one chapter and one chapter closes in our life or in the book and we move to the next chapter and it begins. That's the only way it happens. See, in chapter 2 of Exodus, recalculation rescues Moses from Pharaoh. That's what happens in chapter 2 of Exodus. And then in chapter 12, 
after a bunch of life has happened, chapter 12, Moses rescues a nation from Pharaoh. There's a lot of stuff that happened between chapter 2 and chapter 12. And I believe this ought to be a revelation to some of us in this room. It was certainly a revelation to me. We can't be in chapter 2 and chapter 12 at the same time. I'm going to say it one more time because I believe you're going to, it's going to just sink in. We can't be in chapter 2 and chapter 12. We can't be being rescued from Pharaoh's hand and then rescuing the people of Israel out of Egypt and out of slavery all at the same time. There is a, there's some recalculation that had to take place in between those places. So many times we just want the, we want the freedom. We just want to, we just want to, we want to go out dancing with the parade of, uh, of the Israelites and we, we just want to, we just want to rejoice about the Red Sea swallowing up the, the Egyptian army. We just, we want, we want to talk about the manna falling from heaven. We don't want to talk about the recalculation that it took between there and there. You can't live in both places. And the longer we wait to recalculate, the higher the cost is going to be. Some of us need to recalculate because we're on the wrong road. If we're on the wrong, wrong road, can I just tell you that going faster won't get us there where we need to go. If we're lost, we're on the wrong road, going the wrong direction. If we speed up, we're just going to get loster. Faster. It's not a word. But it's okay. I've said a lot of non-words from this pulpit before. And you knew what I was talking about. You're going to get loster faster. If you're on I-20 going east, can I just tell you, you're never going to get to Dallas. Brendan, that's advice for you today. Get on I-20 west to go back to Dallas. I-20 east is not going to get you there, and I don't care how fast you go on I-20 east. You're not going to get to Dallas that way. So refusing to recalculate will never result in arriving at the proper destination. I need to be closing right now, and I will. My third and final thought is simply this. Recalculation never stops. Prepare yourself. Take a deep breath. Recalculation is never going to stop. We never stop having to recalculate because the variables continue to change in life. Just like driving. Our hands are always moving. And you know why? Because the road constantly demands it. There are two big elements that are fighting against recalculation, and that is fear and pride. And I don't have time to get into all of those today. I'm just going to skip right over it. I just want to remind us all today that everybody has to recalculate from time to time. And recalculation never stops. And the reason this is, is because there's usually three kinds of people that we encounter in life that will influence our life in some manner. Three kinds of people. The first kind is this. It's those people who will help you in a difficult time of life. We've all had them. If you've been through a difficult time in life, God provided that person somewhere along the way. And they were that person that came alongside you and they helped you. They impacted, they influenced your life. The first kind of people are the people who will help you in a difficult time. And then there's another kind of person. There's another kind of people. And it's those who left you in a difficult time. We don't have to belabor that point very long. We don't have to, we don't have to stay there very long. You know them. You've had them in your life. They were there. 
It was the people who left you in a difficult time. And then there's a third category of people. And it's those who put you in a difficult time. There were those who helped you in a difficult time. Those who left you and abandoned you in a difficult time. And then there's that whole other level of those people that they were the reason. They were the purpose. They, I mean, they were the ones. They, they're the ones who put you there. On purpose, they put you there. There's three types of people that influence us in some manner. And with every type that I just mentioned, there will have to be a recalculation after every one of those influences in our lives. There will have to be a recalculation. If not, we're going to find ourselves living with unforgiveness, which is going to lead to anger, which is then going to lead to bitterness, and then we're just a wretched old soul with no life, and we're spreading toxic stuff everywhere that we go. Every recalculation is not a lobotomy where we have to rebuild our brains. Sometimes it's just a small course correction. And I believe that God is intentional about our lives. And I believe that God is calculating everything in our lives. I believe I believe that the great architect of heaven and earth has calculated every single one of our lives. When Joseph died in Egypt, there was a recalculation. When Pharaoh came to power that turned God's people into slaves in Egypt, guess what? There was a recalculation. When Jochebed, Moses' mother, conceived, there was a recalculation. The moment Moses was born and came into this world, guess what? There was a recalculation. And when Jochebed put her little three-month-old baby boy in that basket and put him into the Nile River, guess what? There was a recalculation. When Moses raised, was raised and taught in the palace of Pharaoh, there was a recalculation. When Moses became a young man and his Hebrew roots now began to outstretch his Egyptian teaching, guess what happened then? There was a recalculation. When he defended a Hebrew and actually killed an Egyptian, at that moment there was a recalculation. When he fled to the wilderness because Pharaoh then wanted to kill him, at that moment there was a recalculation. And when God found him on the backside of the desert and said, I want to talk to you, boy, and he set a, set a bush on fire and said, take your shoes off, you're on holy ground. And he began to give him instruction. Guess what was happening there? There was a recalculation that was taking place. We could go through the whole story and it's recalculation all the way through. Would you stand with me across this room today? I want to just bring it home to you and me in our lives. This is how it works in mine and your life today. God designed us before we were even in our mother's womb. The word tells us that. It's very clear. You were God's thought before you were mom and dad's thought. You weren't an accident. You weren't an oops. God calculated your life. He's the master calculator. And when the billions of cells came together to create you, God calculated. And you are the sum total of his calculation. Can I just say it this way? You're perfect. You're perfect. Have you done everything perfect? No, you had to recalculate. 
but he calculated you perfect. But just as soon as you were born, a series of recalculations began. When your dad lost his job and it changed your whole family's dynamic and lifestyle, there was a recalculation. When tragedy hit your family unexpectedly, there was a recalculation. When you fell in love, there was a recalculation. If you're standing next to your spouse, look, wink at them and say, you were a recalculation. <laughs> That's a good thing. When you fell out of love, it happens. There was a recalculation. When you became pregnant with that child earlier than you thought you were ready for, there was a recalculation. Can I just tell you, at that moment, God didn't kick you out. He just simply recalculated. When you got messed up on drugs and your life was spiraling out of control, God didn't quit on you. He just recalculated. When your kid went off to prison, God recalculated and he gave you a grace that most people can never have because he recalculated. When you got married, he recalculated. When you lost your job, he recalculated. When the marriage didn't work out, God recalculated. Let me just say it this way. When we got off track, when we got off course, God didn't say, I'm done with her. I'm done with him. No. He just recalculated. I wonder how many times I've been, I've been in that place. In my 44 years, I wonder how many times I've gone down that road, that path. I wonder how many times I came up to the exit and instead of recalculating, I just hit the, hit the gas pedal and got further and further away from where I was supposed to be. But somewhere along the way, by his grace and his mercy, he reached to where I was and he said, no, no, son, I got a bigger plan. I calculated your life different than this, so we're fixing to recalculate. Whether you want to or not, we're going to recalculate. I love Romans 8, 28. We, we, we use this scripture a lot around here. We could all quote it together and we know. And we know that all things work together. Can I say it this way? And we know that all things recalculate sometimes. For good. For good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Let me just wrap it up with this one statement today. Nobody can outcalculate God. Nobody can outcalculate your God. He loves you today. He loves you today. I, I didn't even have this in my notes, and I know you're standing, but it is only 11.51. I did good. I did good. They sing a song today. It's a beautiful song that I love. I love the story of this song. There was a gentleman by the name of Horatio Gates Spafford. Many of you probably have heard the story a million times before. In case there's that one person in the room that hasn't, I'll share it with you today. He was a very successful businessman, an attorney in the city of Chicago. He had four daughters and a son and his wife. They lived through the whole great Chicago fire. He was very instrumental in the helping of the rebuilding of the city. Very, very influential and, and uh, a man of great influence there in, in Chicago. And with all the fatigue and, the, and, and just being worn down from everything that had happened, they said, you know what, it's time to recalculate. They said, we're going to go on a vacation. 
So they decided they would go to England. His friend Dwight Moody, who was a great evangelist at that time, was, was doing crusades in England. And so, so he put his daughters and his wife, his four daughters and his wife, on a ship. The ship was named the Ville du Havre. Because he had some last-minute business to handle, so he sent them on their way, and he stayed behind and said, I'll meet up with you soon. Somewhere off the coast of Newfoundland, the Ville du Havre collided with a ship called the Loch Urn, and it sank. And all four of his daughters and his wife all passed. Prior to that, his son had already died from a, a sudden and quick disease. So now here's this man. He receives this telegraph. And all it says is from his wife, because his wife survived, the four daughters died. His wife sends the telegraph and says, saved alone. I don't know if you've, anybody in here has ever been in that place before. He's lost his son. He's lost all of his daughters. All of his children are gone. His wife's on the other side of the world. She sends a telegraph that just simply says, saved alone. He boards the next ship to go be with his grieving wife. And he asked the captain of the ship, he said, when we get to the point where the, where the Ville du Havre sank, would you, would you let me know? I want to come and just kind of memorialize my, my children at that moment. They did and brought him up to the, the bow of the boat. And as he stood there in that moment, in that place, he took a paper and a pen and he began to pen these words. When peace, like a river, attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, I'm recalculating. Whatever's happened in my life, I'm recalculating this thing. And here's what I'm going to declare today. With everything that I love and that's precious to me gone, and my wife waiting for me, I'm going to say this. It is well. It is well with my soul. I'll tell you something, he couldn't pin those words and we wouldn't be singing it decades and decades later off of this wall and off every hymnal and across the, across the country today. We wouldn't be able to do that if he didn't stop and recalculate. I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what you're going through. But can I just maybe encourage you today that maybe God has brought you to this moment, this hour, this day, and he's saying to us, son, daughter, it's time to recalculate. I still got you. I never left you. I never forsaken you. I've never, I've never left your side. I've been behind you. I've been in front of you. I've been all around you. Life's been tough. There's been questions. There's been, there's been tragedy. There's been all, but I'm still here with you. All we got to do is just recalculate. It is well. It is well with my soul. Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for your goodness and your grace. Thankful for your faithfulness in our lives, God. I'm so thankful that you're a God who never leaves us. You never forsake us. I thank you, God, for being the master calculator in our lives. You are the author and you're the perfecter of our faith. You are the beginning and you're the end. You're the first and you're the last. Lord, I realize that today we may be caught up in chapter 2, but help us to understand and realize that as, we, as our lives are recalculated, God, there is a chapter 12 that's coming. And there's a freedom that's coming. And there's a victory that's coming. And we can say in the middle of the process, it is well with my soul because you are with me. You are leading. You are guiding. You are recalculating every part of our lives. And we give you thanks and praise today. In 
Jesus' name. Amen. Can we sing together today before we go home? God bless you. Go in his grace. Go in his peace. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do today, just a little different than normal. I'm going to ask you, if you will, just to very respectfully and just very discreetly make your way out today. When you get into the foyer outside, let's fellowship, let's hug, let's enjoy our time together. But here's what I want to do. We have an amazing prayer team here at this church. Wonderful people that would love to join with you and pray with you. If you're dealing with an issue in your life or there's something that's overwhelming or you're at a place of recalculation, there's some people that would love to just stand with you and pray with you. So without any, any big hoopla, without any attention being brought to anyone, maybe instead of you going that direction, you may want to come this direction. And I'm going to ask Bruce and Laura and some of our other prayer team to just kind of hang out a little bit longer right here. And if you make your way to the front, they're going to join with you and they're going to pray with you and believe with you today. I'm going to encourage you to do that today. So I'm going to dismiss you at this time. Go in his grace. Go in his peace. Have a wonderful week in Jesus' name. God bless you today.